from the heavens above to the depths of hell below. Ask for anything. God was giving King Ahaz a blank check. And then Ahaz has this political problem, and how does he respond to what God is showing him? Now, Joseph also has a problem, but it's a relationship problem. The Bible calls Mary his espoused wife. Now, that's a little bit different. That's a cultural term. Here's how it worked in the Jewish culture. When a young man found a, a young woman that he wanted to marry, he would go to the father and they would make family arrangements. And they would then agree and covenant with one another. And technically, that was called espousal. And to break that espousal, you had to actually file for a divorce. Now, they hadn't had the wedding ceremony yet, and they had not come together romantically yet during that espousal phase. But it would take an actual divorcement to put that aside. So here's Joseph's problem. This young woman who he's deeply in love with, who he's made a covenant to her and already made the arrangement with the family, he finds out she's with child. And he knows, because he's a just man, this child is not his. And so without divine revelation, on a human level, he's thinking, who did she fool around with? She cheated on me. Because he's a just person, he doesn't want to humiliate her because he loves her. And so he's, he's trying to think through this. How, how can I go about this so I don't humiliate her? What would be the best way? So he's thinking through all of this. He's pondering this. And he's perplexed. He has this relationship problem. Here's what Job said in his book, Job chapter 5, verse 7. Yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Have you ever been around a campfire? You see the little embers pop out of the logs and the sparks fly upward? All right, that's just what happens when you have a fire. And guess what happens when you're a human being? You're going to have troubles. You know, sometimes I, I sit and I, I, I just say, oh, wow, I wish that wasn't in that Christmas song. This is the most wonderful time of year, okay? And uh, our troubles will be miles away. They'll be gone forever. You know, for hundreds of thousands of people, that's just not true. Christmas is the hardest time of year. It really is. Uh, they've got a bad marriage, or their spouse has died, or a child has died. Uh, they have financial troubles because they don't know how to manage their finances, and then they get themselves into debt, and then they're stressing out. And then you think about all of the relatives coming over, and don't tell me that that doesn't cost stress. <laughs> okay? Because I know it does, all right? 
And so, look, we're going to have problems in life. And we're most likely going to face problems during this most wonderful time of year. Now, it is a wonderful time of year, all right? And what makes it the most wonderful time of year is that we get to meditate upon the birth of Jesus. But we're going to face problems, just as Ahaz and Joseph were facing problems. And so God said to Ahaz, don't worry, this is going to be an unsuccessful invasion. Um, and so I want you to ask of me a sign that will guarantee to you, comfort and assure you, I've got your back. I'm in control. I'm a sovereign God. Ask for anything and I'll do it and it'll be proof to you that you don't need to worry, you don't need to have fear. And so here are some other things that, that we usually think about, all right? Could Ahaz control what two other kings are going to do? No, all right? Could Joseph control that Mary was expecting a child? Well, yes, he could control himself, but the fact that she's expecting and he knows it's not him, he, he can't do that. So here's what I'm trying to tell you by making this application. Sometimes you're going to have troubles you're not going to be able to control, but you're definitely going to want it to get out of them. And so the, the kind of troubles that we usually have are sometimes self-inflicted. All right, like the time that I almost electrocuted myself by working on my alarm clock while it was still plugged in, you know? I mean, I knew better, but yeah, duh, all right? Uh, it has electrical current flowing through it, and so when you put the screwdriver on there, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so sometimes our troubles are self-inflicted. Sometimes we just flat out say some pretty stupid stuff to our spouses and to our children, uh, to our fellow believers in our local church. And we get ourselves into trouble. And we create our own problems. Sometimes there are problems that are not our fault. And then sometimes there's the hybrid. Okay? Either, in our opinion, they started it, but then our response is very unchristlike, And we make it worse right? Um, so sometimes there's that hybrid situation that, that's going on. So what do we do? All right, so let's look at our next point here. Joseph and Ahaz each received revelation. Ahaz was given this unlimited invitation from the heavens to the depths of hell, whatever it is that you need for me to know that I am God and that I will take care of you so that you can stop worrying, ask of me, and I will give it to you. That's an unlimited invitation. Do you know that we also receive unlimited invitations from the Lord? They're called universal positives in the gospel. Ask, and ye shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Ask that ye may receive. We also receive unlimited invitations to 
have an intimate relationship with God. Now, Ahaz's reaction, what was it? Do you remember when we were in Isaiah 7? He said, I will not ask for a sign. Neither will I tempt the Lord. Now, some background information you don't know about Ahaz was he was not right in his relationship with God in the first place. So here at this time, he's putting on false piety, saying, like what Moses said in Deuteronomy, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So he's thinking, yeah, I'm not going to tempt the Lord my God. I'm not going to ask. Okay. And so here, his unlimited invitation, he rejects it with a false piety. When God comes to you and says, ask, you had better ask. When God comes to you with a blank check, take him up on his word, all right? Um, don't be falsely pious. There was another king in the Old Testament. God came and said, as many times as you strike the ground, I'll strike your enemies. So the king was like, Three times. God was not pleased. God was like, and I would have done it for you. So you're only going to get three victories. That was another blank check opportunity that a person missed out on. Do you realize that we miss out on God's unlimited invitations as well? You have not because you Ask not. How's your prayer life? Okay. So we have these unlimited invitations and we miss out on them. We have false piety. We're going to say, I'm not going to pray about that because God already knows the outcome. Well, is that true? Does he already know the outcome? Absolutely, that's true. So why pray? I mean, if it's already predetermined, if God already knows the answer, why pray? Folks, it's sinful self-piety that says, I'm just not going to pray. I will not ask. Because God said, ask! That's why you ask. So don't sin and try to pass it off as piety by saying, God's sovereign. Yes, he is. And he just gave you a sovereign invitation to find out just how sovereign he is. But we also have false piety in, in other areas of our life. Okay? Um, we need not share the gospel because that person might not be one of the elect. Okay. Well, you know what? If you share the gospel with someone who's non-elect, 
I think God will forgive you. Because he said, preach the gospel to every creature. And yet we sit so indifferently. You know what? Paul was given in the book of Acts a promise from the Lord. For I have many people in this city. You know what that did to Paul? That got him working like crazy. You know some of the greatest soul winners believe that God elected people to salvation? I've already shared with you the story of James D. Kennedy, struggling young pastor, bumbling his way through sharing the gospel on a visit, had a visiting evangelist with him, and the evangelist, after seeing the pastor stumble around, said to him privately later, you don't know how to share the gospel, do you? And he's like, I don't. So he went back and he began to think about theologically what was wrong with him. And he began to work it out, and his little church of 20 became a church of thousands because he took God at his word and got busy sharing the gospel. And yet we say about California, it's gone. It's too hard. They don't want to believe. You know what you're doing? You're rejecting God's unlimited invitation. He says the fields are white unto harvest. Pray for laborers. Maybe you need to be praying for yourself that you'll labor. It's a joy to share the gospel. I've had the opportunity twice this week to have different parts in the gospel. One was an hour-long Bible study. Second opportunity was the um, Amazon delivery guy. Thursday I was home and, and had the garage open and I was uh, bringing in groceries. Now, Thursday's my day off, by the way, so I, it's not like I was cutting work out, okay? And um, so the garage door was open as I was pulling groceries in and out and he comes up to you know, the garage and it's raining so he's standing inside the garage, and I said, hey, would you like a Christmas gift? Would you like a Christmas Bible? Sure, I'll take one of those. And um, so I just reset the garage, cleaned it all up, and I misplaced the box of Bibles that I have just specifically for that purpose. And so then he was two doors down, and I finally found them, and I ran through the rain to hand him the Bible. And I just said, hey, just read this. So I'm just praying, Lord, you know what? you know who this guy is and you know what his needs are and so you just go ahead and work in his life because I know you are. Obviously you are because you just got a copy of your word into his hand. So folks, there's, there's no reason for us to sit back so passively and not share the gospel because God is building his church. Other false piety that we have and I've heard this on very rare occasions, and I don't think this is true of anybody here at Calvary, but this one is, I'm just going to go ahead and sin because I know God's going to forgive me. Okay? Well, that's tempting the Lord your God. All right? So Ahaz was tempting the Lord his God by not obeying the invitation. Is it a, he goes, God answers him. Is it a small thing for you to weary men 
but will you also tempt the Lord? And so our false piety gets in the way of God's unlimited invitations. Now Joseph, if you go back to the Matthew 1 passage, he was uh, given an unrestricted explanation. Joseph is not figuring this out, and there is no answer without God. So God sends Gabriel, well, not in Matthew 1, but here God sends an angel to Joseph in a dream and says, Joseph, here's the explanation. Yes, Mary's with a child, but this is of the Holy Spirit. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Joseph was probably like every rational thinking human being. Virgins just don't get pregnant unless they're not virgins anymore. And that's what he's thinking. So how, how is that possible? Well, it took divine revelation to show that to him. So he got uh, an unrestricted explanation as to how this could possibly be. And then he also got the answer to his question, do I divorce her? Do I put her away? The answer was, absolutely not, Joseph. Okay? Actually, I want you to go ahead and marry her. Oh, can I just take a little rabbit trail at this point? This was a, a question that was asked uh, just of me re just recently. Actually, twice within the last month. So I figure, hey, it must be a question that's out there at Christmas time, right? Did, jo uh, did Jesus have brothers and sisters? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, Matthew chapter 26, he has four brothers. Simeon, Joseph, Judas, and I forget who the first one was. So he's got four, four brothers and at least two sisters. So... After the birth of Jesus, then Mary and Joseph had a normal human marriage, and they had children. She was not a perpetual virgin, all right? I say that because sometimes in Catholic theology, that's taught, all right? That's just wrong. Now, at this point, what is so unusual is that Mary is a virgin, and then God says, I need to explain to you further that this is fulfilling my word that I spoke to Ahaz 600 years before. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled which the prophet had spoken. Now, we look at this and we call that a double fulfillment. So there was some sign that was given to Ahaz. Even though he didn't want it, he received it. And within just a couple of years of the birth of that child, the land that he abhorred, the land that he was afraid of, okay, would not have her kings. Well, both Israel and Syria were defeated by another kingdom called Assyria. 
what Ahaz tried to do, instead of depending upon the Lord God for his security, was he tried to go and make a military alliance with Assyria to get out of his troubles. See, Ahaz, what he was really doing, and, and then we're going to come to our third point here, is Joseph and Ahaz acted upon the revelation. Ahaz had a negative outcome. And God told him, and if you read the rest of the chapter, your nation is going to get carried away. Because guess what? The king of Assyria did not stop with Syria, and he did not stop with the ten tribes of Israel. He continued pushing and coming against the kingdom of Israel. And he was decimating the land, and he had another king all shut in, Hezekiah, had him all shut in like a bird in a cage. And it looked like that king was going to take over. Well, Assyria was defeated by Babylon, but Babylon came and carried away the Jewish people. And God said, Ahaz, you should know, because of your improper response, your lack of faith, your people are going to be carried away. Your kingdom is going to be destroyed. Ahaz missed out on the blessing of God for his life and the life of his people. You know, the sad reality is that when we miss out on the blessings of God for ourselves, sometimes we miss out on the blessing for the next generation, for our family. And I want to just put this out there. This is not necessarily particular to Calvary, but it could happen here at Calvary. There won't be a Calvary Baptist Church 10 years from now, 15 years from now. Why is that? Well, because right now, in this generation, you must respond in faith to the Word of God. You must be obedient to the Word of God. You see, what becomes optional to you becomes unnecessary to your children. Becomes unnecessary to the next generation. If you're not faithfully attending church, guess what? Your kids think church just isn't important. But the ball game is. Sports are. If prayer meeting's not important, prayer's not important. If inviting people to church isn't important, no, I'm not going to do it. Mom and dad don't do it. You see, we give all kinds of mental agreement to things that you hear from the pulpit all the time. We need to be investing in the next generation and raising up godly leaders. We need to be discipling people. Amen, pastor! No relationships. No investing. No next generation. Churches die all the time. You look in the book of Revelation. If you don't repent, I will remove your candlestick. And they die all the time. Now, the good news is this. When by faith we obey, a New Testament church won't die. 
because it's following New Testament principles, which are principles of life and of the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is life and there's liberty. And so gospel preaching churches can go on for hundreds of years, and that's a wonderful thing. And there will be stories of salvation to tell for generations and generations and generations to come. It's a wonderful thing. And so Ahaz had that negative outcome. But now let's look at Joseph. Let's go back to Matthew 1 for just a moment. So Matthew records for us the response to God's unlimited explanation to Joseph. What has happened? Number one is the Holy Spirit has done this, and number two, it fulfills Bible prophecy. So here's where I would like to close, is how can you have a positive outcome? All right? Um, you see, Joseph took part in God's redemptive plan, not just for his own family, but for his nation and for me and you. Because he had faith in what God has said. And so he gets to participate in God's redemptive plan. So in Matthew chapter 1, we see here what is revealed to him. Okay. Um, verse 21, she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name, what? Jesus. Jesus is the same Old Testament name as Joshua, it's just the Greek form of it. It means salvation is of the Lord. But specifically, why was he going to be called Jesus? He shall save his people from their political enemies. What's it say? The sins. Do you know the beautiful thing about Christmas is? It reminds us that we're all sinners, but God has provided a Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. But Jesus, salvation is of the Lord. It's not from men. Okay? Um, so thou shalt call his name Jesus. So Joseph gets to take place to participate in God's redemptive plan for not just his own family, but also for the people of Israel and for the Gentiles. i just take a little rabbit trail here for just a moment. But Matthew starts out with the genealogy of Jesus. There are three Gentile women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. God intends to save the Gentiles just like he does the Jews through Jesus. Who comes and gives Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh? The wise men from the East, Gentiles. Do you know those were probably the same Magi that Daniel associated with in Babylon, they were pagans. So God is indicating that he wants to bless the Gentiles by showing us 
the wise men present. There's so much there. Uh, then you read the accounts in, in Luke, and you find out specifically that God intends to save the Gentiles. All right, that was a little rabbit trail, but now let's go back and look at this. So Joseph has a, a very positive outcome here, okay? Uh, oh, and one other thing that I, that I came across this week, and uh, I've only been able to come to one conclusion so far, but every time that God comes to Joseph with a revelation, you know what the guy is doing? All right, to his credit, he was a manual laborer, and he was probably tired all the time, all right? But I found it interesting that every single time, and there's three occasions that God comes to him, the man is asleep. Here's my only conclusion to that is, he had nothing to do with the answers. Only God did. We don't have anything to do with our salvation because God provided a Savior. Now, um, here we see Joseph's positive outcome and uh, all of the names that are there, Emmanuel, which is God with us. Um, but then look at verses 24 and 25. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and they called his name Jesus. How did Joseph show his faith? By his actions. How would King Ahaz how would he have demonstrated his faith? By asking for a sign, by taking action upon the revelation that God had given to him. It wasn't tempting God when God said to do it. All right. So we know that Joseph's deep faith took over and he got busy because he believed the word of the Lord. And he had a positive outcome. All right, so here in closing, I'm going to give you five ways that you can have a positive outcome in the troublesome situations in life where you can emulate the faith of Joseph instead of the unbelief of King Ahaz. First of all, seek God in prayer. Patrick Morley in his book, The Twelve Disciplines of a Godly Man, says prayer is the first discipline it's the first priority. Go to God and pray. This is what Joseph is doing. Joseph is thinking through things. He's trying to reason through, but he's asking God. It's implied. He's asking God, what do I do in this situation, God? This is, this is a tough one, God. Do we ever get into those tough situations in life? Sure we do. And so he's so troubled that he goes to bed with it. But he's seeking God. Just ask. Start praying. And really cry out to God. None of this dinnertime praying at the dinner table kind of approach to your prayer life. Lord bless the food to my body. Amen. Okay? It's like, God, my heart is broken. I'm weeping. 
God, I can't do anything. God, this hurts. Lord, you are powerful. Your word is true. God, I'm crying out to you. Be real to me, God. And he'll answer you. Cry out to God. Seek him in prayer. Second thing that's in the story is the Holy Spirit of God. The Lord explains to him, that which is done is conceived and heard is of the Holy Spirit. We are told in the New Testament how to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. Walk in the Spirit. What is walking? It's oversimplified here, but it's taking repeated steps. Do you remember when your first child started walking? After about three months, you wish you would never have taught them how to walk, <laughs> okay? But they learned how to take repeated steps. And that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. Repeatedly follow His leading. So, wait upon the Spirit of God. Now, here's how some people approach that. Well, I've got this dream. Dreams are not the same authority as the Word of God. So the next thing, number three, is seek God in prayer. Number two, you walk and wait upon the Holy Spirit of God. Number three, you act on God's Word. The Holy Spirit breathed out the Bible. He will never tell you to do something that is contrary to the Bible. So seek God's will in the Scripture. Find it in the Bible. You might hear it through preaching from the Bible. You might hear it as Christians are having a conversation. They might mention a Bible verse, but it's going to be from the Bible. Hey, it could even be a Facebook post that has pure scripture on it. But it's the word of God. But we have to live with the scripture as our sole authority for life and our final answer. Parenting problems are not solved through Bay Area Parents Magazine. Okay? Financial problems are not resolved by worldly thinking because it's the heart for a Christian that's behind their finances. So we need the word of God to give us wisdom and direction. Lean not on thy own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him. When the Lord was tempted three times, he came back with, it is written. So as a man, he overcame temptation by using the Bible. Use the Bible. So three ways so far that you can have a positive outcome. What are they? Pray. Walk in the Spirit. The Word of God. All right? Number four, seek out godly leaders. It's what deacons and pastors and spiritual mentors and deaconesses, that's what they're there for. Okay? Seek them out. 
plans fail for lack of counsel. Now, why do you think this one is fourth and not first? Because you need to be getting God's voice clear first, not the voice of men. I think I've shared the story with you before. I was going through a lot of troubles and I was calling up pastor friends. Mainly, I think I was wanting empathy, and God convicted me. Why aren't you seeking me first? So listen to the voice of God first. And then, number five, seek out godly friends. As iron sharpens iron, so does a man's friends his countenance. Love one another. Pray for one another. Greet one another. There's 35 one another relationships mentioned in the New Testament. So get your Bible out this afternoon, and if you need to, look up that phrase, one another. And you're going to see 35 different ways that you can have relationships with the body of Christ, but you seek out godly friends. Are God's people your people? We're in a series on Sunday night called Biblical Counseling, where God's people need to be in the Word of God, following the Spirit of God, praying for the people of God, and to become those biblical counselors. Life is rough. You need biblical friends. They're going to lead you in the biblical way. A family, family member one time that was going through a difficult marriage situation, they decided to go to the Cherry Street Brewery and seek the counsel of friends. Do you think that's where you find biblical counsel? I would say probably not. And so, so much of what is out in society, there's so many voices that are competing for your mind, your affections, and your course of action. By the way, psychology doesn't have it. There's over 200 different schools of psychology. All right? But God's Word has it. So seek godly counsel from spiritual friends, from godly leaders from the word of God, uh, walking in the spirit of God in prayer. And that will show your belief in God. And that will lead to positive outcomes for you. And so, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and we close with this. And you can say it with me. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Ahaz did not please God. God came back to him and said, why are you tempting me? Joseph, his faith pleased God. And it was a positive outcome for himself, for Mary, for Jesus, for Israel, and for you and me. Positive outcome for the church. 
So today, do you still believe in the Christ of Christmas? It's still okay to believe in Christmas because it's about Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. What the Lord has spoken to your heart today, I'm going to let you do that business with him. But remember, when you listen to a Bible message, it's how you respond that actually makes it worship. So in a few minutes, you're going to go out the door. Will you remember what you heard today? Be not a forgetful hearer of the word, but be ye a doer of the word. So, Christian, you may need to resolve to do something today to show God your faith. Whatever that is that God has spoken to you about it, you go ahead and do that right now in the quietness of this moment. For some of you, maybe it's that you've never yet received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to put all your trust in him. And that's just as simple as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. You cannot save yourself. Believe that Jesus Christ is God's solution for your sin. That he is God, died on the cross for you and paid for your sin. And then C, call upon his name. Showing that you trust him by asking him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It can be a very simple prayer. Lord, save me. And the good news is, he will.